welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we rank every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And I have a cold. So I have a cold. Uh, what? How? What is the? <laughs> what is the? The shelf life of this cold? Like, are are you coming down with it now, or have you always had this cold? I mean, <laughs> we have always lived in the castle. I think <laughs> I woke up with this cold yesterday, mm-hmm. and I think it's because this weekend I I vaped for the first time ever. Oh wow! Holy shit! This is a this is a red letter day. What was so? You know, uh, you hang out with the wrong crowd behind the Seven <laughs> Eleven, and you pass the jewel around a couple times, and then you, you know come what? home with a, a respiratory infection. That's exactly what. See, and this is what my mom always told me. She said. Son, if you ever uh, play D&D with people and you end up vaping, this is how you get a sinus infection. <laughs> and I, I, I listened to her. Like, I've never actually... Okay. Uh, how would you describe the experience of vaping? It's like a hookah if it was... If we were in a cyberpunk... The cyberpunk future that William Gibson imagined... Yeah. We're all smoking portable little hookahs in our pockets. Which I, I sort of appreciate... And now, the thing is with vaping, I, I, I sort of appreciate that you can make it taste basically like anything you want. Like, you can just decide... You can like, have bacon vape if you want. I mean, and God knows there are people out there who are like, I want to smoke the the taste of, of, of bacon, just meat. I'm sorry, my spouse from the other room just went, ugh. I had, uh, when I was trying to quit smoking, um, one of many, many, many times I was trying to quit smoking, I, I got, uh, uh, this was, I think, pre-Jewel, this was uh, the blue e-cigarettes. Oh, yeah, the the ones that are um, promoted by everyone's favorite vampire. Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff. <laughs> Which, God bless, honestly, he... I think it's the most unforgivable thing about the movie, movie Leatherface from 2017 is that it wastes Steven Dorff. Like, what are, what are we doing? Um, but I've, uh, the worst taste in the world is when you uh, when there is no uh, e-juice uh, in, in the thing that you're drawing, and it's just the taste of burnt things. It's just like burnt machinery you're inhaling. The Matrix. You're inhaling the Matrix. So anyway, <laughs> don't vape, people. It'll get you sick. It'll get you sick. Learn learn from our mistakes. Uh, it's it's not. I know you think it's cool to vape with your friends, uh, with with your with your skateboarding pals out behind the mall. Um, no, yeah, that's honestly. I've I've gotten sick this winter like five different times, and I'm just like waiting for the next one. It's coming. It's, yeah. it's coming the, around the corner. I can, I can, I can feel it happening. Quincy, all right. So yesterday was the Royal Rumble. Did you watch the Royal Rumble, or uh, did, what, what's your? What, uh, do you have any any picante takes on the Royal Rumble? So I, I did what all true wrestling fans did. Mm-hmm. I watched um, Carnival of Blood again, uh, <laughs> aka King of the Death Match. Absolutely, uh, Kawasaki Dream. And I read the Wikipedia entry as it was being updated. I mean, that was the right call, I think. Uh, I Now, the Royal Rumble, I've realized that, like, I don't know if it's... Because I, I still love wrestling so much. I just feel like WWE, like, it's hard for me to keep up with and care about WWE. And so a thing like the Royal Rumble happening, like, I feel like for old time's sake, you know, if for that and nothing else, like, I should be watching the Royal Rumble at least. 
Yeah, and then they book Santino Morelli as Santina Morelli for the Women's Royal Rumble, and it's like, right. yeah, now I know why I don't watch this. Yeah, which was a it was a, it was a garbage fucking transphobic joke back in the day, like Santina Morella, and then they were just kind of like, what if, like the fact that Sasha Banks was not in the Women's Rumble, but Santina, I, I I can't, it's it's a lot. Um, however, the Women's Rumble was really fucking good, like. It was fucking Naomi got to be there. And honestly, like, there was such a nice thing uh, for me with, like, there was a uh, an Eve show that I went to last year. Um, and it was, and, you know, Shotzi Blackheart was on the show. Mia Yim was on the show. Uh, uh, Mercedes Martinez. And it was really fucking cool to, like, see them coming out during the Rumble and being like, hey, I saw them in a little VFW hall. Like, this is... Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's kind of the thing that I've decided is I, I love live wrestling and i love it so much that mm-hmm. um i'm gonna probably go see nxt when they come to tennessee in a couple months because oh, yeah. even though i don't watch the show i enjoy seeing wrestling live and i like that crowd and it's fun mm-hmm. well and, and i have on- no desire to watch it on television anymore. oh yeah at zero although honestly you know what it is with uh, uh, going to live wrestling shows um, I think that it's the closest to the feeling I got. So, as an ex, as an ex Jesus kid, um, I kind of miss worship services. Like, there was something really cool about you know being like knee high to a duck's ass and being in like. And of course, I went to like you know a big fucking uh, Mickey Mouse mega church and. Um, so, so, like, you're talking about the swaying while singing "Lord, I lift Your name on high." Oh yeah, you already know. Yeah, yeah, you're doing the dance moves. Lord, you're doing prepare the... me to be a sanctuary, and you rub elbows against another sweaty kid. And oh yeah, feel something. Well, and it was great because you know you're all kind of doing. You know that I, I realized I do it in the shower. You know that thing. When you're holding your hands palm up at like nipple level to catch the water for whatever reason, because you're like, mm, I want to have that in my hands while while taking a shower. You would do basically that move during worship. Like there were there were a bunch of different dance moves where like you're sort of like doing the touchdown pose or you're I don't know like holding doing like the the mystical wizard like invisible oranges hands. I think pro wrestling shows are the closest I've gotten to that feeling in my adult life. Where it's just like, there's call and response, it's you, like, everybody's having these emotional responses to things, it's about good versus evil, it's it's just this really pure experience, like, I don't know, like, going to a pro wrestling show is, I think, the best thing in the world? It's really cool, although I've also, some of the, I'm not gonna say the worst experience I've ever had, but I've experienced <laughs> awful things also at pro wrestling shows. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so. Are, do you have any? Do you have any sort of nightmare experiences going to pro wrestling shows? Well, I've taken my um, children and my friends' children to pro wrestling before, and just like homophobic and transphobic comments. Mm-hmm. Like one, our local. Um, promotion is really into uh promoting a i'm trying to think of the word for it he's a character that wrestles in the i don't even remember his name he wrestles in the women's division and he's a valet but he wears like a women's uh fur like croplet and wears makeup so he's doing like a shit version of Andy Kaufman wrestling women. 
it's more like a Santina Morella kind of thing. Eesh. And this isn't Southern like Underground. Pimpernetta right? Scarletta, but not good. Yeah, so so like Exoticos, <laughs> but with all of the charm and and yeah, anything redeeming removed. Honestly, I uh, so wait, have you taken your babies to a deathmatch show? Hell no. Well, okay, actually, yes, there was a deathmatch match, but not uh-huh. a full show. Um, now, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I've not taken my babies. I've taken other people's babies to deathmatch shows. <laughs> You just like did you just find someone's babies and you're like hey kid want to watch some blood and you just like pretty take them much the, yeah. yeah I was like hey let's watch these thumbtacks <laughs> hey and do then, you... you know encourage them to scream throw the ref into the thumbtacks oh man hey little hey little buddy do you want to decide who lives and who dies uh, I did take my child to wrestling at the fair uh, okay which is its own experience because they were wrestling in the midway so like in the middle of as fair there's a wrestling <laughs> ring. And it scared the living hell out of him because they were doing uh, Tope Suicidas. Honestly, though, I feel like wrestling... In like, his lap. <laughs> see, the thing is, like, like, car- like sort of uh, fair wrestling, I feel like that counts as deathmatch wrestling because of the likelihood of getting tetanus. <laughs> because, like, deathmatch wrestling, if it's, like, sort of, you know, it's, it's kind of shady and it's dangerous and there's, like, sort of foreign objects... You're landing on something that's you're gonna have to get a fucking shot if you're wrestling in the midway of the local fair. Fun fact: um, um, the carnival was where my wife talked to uh, WWE Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett and said, "Yeah, have you heard of the Young Bucks? Those guys are pretty good wrestlers." And not knowing who he was. <laughs> oh fuck! It, it, really? So she should have just said, "Hey, you know Max and Jeremy Buck." Because <laughs> yeah, he would have he would have recognized them. That would have been good. So what what ghoul shit have you been consuming this week? I have been playing Stardew Valley, uh, and excellent. I think it's important that we talk about how ghoulish that game really is. It is not. It is under marketed as okay. a ghoul game. Well, see, because I I got really pissy with Stardew Valley because I felt like it was I, I something about it just didn't click for me, and I kind of gave up because. I was like, bah, I don't have enough energy to do any, uh, anything in a given day, which is exactly like my normal life. And this is upsetting, <laughs> so I stopped playing. What, Did you right, go what's... into the mines? No. Is this where they keep the horror? Yeah, it's a. it turns into a dungeon crawl game. Oh, shit. Okay. And it's still Stardew Valley? But yeah, you're you fighting like Zubats and You still can farm and raise your chickens, but you can also kill mutant flies so you've got like a double life where like yeah i'm the friendly farmer guy from stardew valley and also under cover of nightfall my hands are streaked with blood literally because you can only go to the guild to buy swords after all the other stores close wow (laughs) so i need to get back into stardew valley you need to retry stardew valley also i've been um fervently courting Linus the hobo that lives okay. on the on the bluff by himself in a tent. Wait, they named him Linus? He's his name is Linus. He wears a very cozy sweater. Excellent. He's got a nice sandy blonde beard. And oh, he lives he, he literally says in the game, you know, I live here by choice. 
Okay, so this this isn't the economics of Stardew Valley being like, well, you know, some people uh, live on the margins of Stardew Valley and get left behind by the system. They can't do the fishing mini games. No, that's Pam, the bus driver who's been laid off and is constantly drunk and in the tavern. Well, there we go. That's... Who I've also taken under my wing. Um, I make sure to bring her all my fresh produce because I'm really worried that she's not getting enough uh, vitamins. Well, you're you're worried that there's going to be like a tiny Tim reveal later on where you're like, what be what becomes of the laid off bus driver in there? Like, I see a, a, a ratty fucking Tweety Bird T-shirt without an owner, like sitting by the door, <laughs> like Tiny Tim. They're going to come back and it's going to be like, oh no, if I had only just brought her some vegetables and some fruit, she wouldn't have gotten scurvy. Not um, on my watch. We're we're just shoving her full of cauliflower absolutely community um the see this is um i would say tonally a departure from the game that i've been addicted to in the last week which is bloodborne <laughs> um although actually now that you mentioned the most it, unstressful game versus the stre- most stressful oh game. oh my god i although actually now that you mention it i feel like there are a few similarities between bloodborne and stardew valley um they're both games about relationships um everybody's doing their best uh, if you know, if you go into a dark cavern, you don't know what you're gonna find. It might be upsetting. Uh, no, although honestly, Bloodborne, what it is is that um, my buddy Anna um, was in town for uh, that folk metal show uh, with Hylum, and you know, they. I basically, I was stuck on this one boss called the Blood Starved Beast. Uh, I basically made Anna do the Big Brother, like, hey, can you beat this boss for me thing? Because uh, Anna has played through Bloodborne like a million times, and so I've been playing through it and getting better at it and then kind of i know that this game does not love me back but i think i'm into that yeah it's interesting because i feel the same way about spelunky mm-hmm. um it is a game that's impossible to win but i'm yeah. okay with that it it gives me real ski on windows 98 vibes oh yeah you're you're getting eaten by the fucking yeti at some point like there's yeah. no ulti- although you know what it is this is like the time that christina uh went to a waffle house for the first time and uh got basically domed by a waffle house waitress and realized like my god i want her approval so much and she does not care about me and you know she just like holds my life in her hands uh i think i just realized uh, while talking about this I think is it that I like I'm getting topped by Bloodborne and I'm like I, think I know that this, you are. Yeah, this game is mean to me and it doesn't like me, but there's something satisfying about when you actually make a thing happen with Bloodborne, like when you get past a boss, like I don't know. It's I because I played Dark Souls 2 and promptly noped the fuck out of there because I was like this isn't even fun. Like, this is, you know, I played it for like two hours and was just like, no, I'm goddammit, I'm determined to like Dark Souls 2. And then I just realized, like, no, actually, it's just, it's very bad. It reminds me of um, the reason why I love Castlevania so much is because I'm trying to climb that goddamn clock tower and I misstep and I fall to my death and I just cackle in delight. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also, like, and- of course I did that. Fine. I'll play it. 50 more times tonight <laughs> yeah well so and with, like yeah i'm sorry i'm watching um hellraiser uh in the background with the sound <laughs> hellraiser inferno with the sound turned off and this movie is book wild it is completely insane shit actually all right let's let's jump into the uh do you want to do you want to uh, jump into hellraiser uh five inferno with the understanding that this is the first time I've ever put it on, and the <laughs> Blu-ray I have, because it's a Miramax Blu-ray, does oh. not have subtitles. You have Blu-ray. Excellent. This is a fancy version of Hellraiser Inferno. 
You um, know, only the best for my straight-to-video oh, Hellraiser on, film. On a package with, like, three other Hellraiser sequels on it? Yeah, the only reason why it's on Blu-ray, it's not up converted it's just we need to fit as many hellraiser sequels onto one disc as we possibly can yeah. to turn uh, a profit along with hellraiser uh hellseeker hellraiser uh yeah it, it's jesus christ so this was actually so this was the first hell gillette oh yeah yeah this was so the, um uh, after hellraiser bloodline which is uh, the fourth one uh they basically the fourth one was the last one that was from an original script meant to be a hellraiser movie um, and, uh, Hell, 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 wait, Hellraiser Inferno. There we go. I kept wanting to be like Hellbound Hellseeker Inferno 2. That's not, that's not a movie. Um, this was the movie that you can tell, uh, pretty obviously that, uh, so Dimension Films had the rights to the Hellraiser franchise, but wasn't super into the idea of making a good new version of a Hellraiser movie. Like they wanted to like sort of keep that iron in the fire. They wanted to keep the rights to Hellraiser, but weren't super committed to, like, making a Hellraiser movie. So what they would do is they would find... Uh, uh, they would root around in a drawer of scripts that, that Dimension had bought and then uh, just sort of shoehorned Pinhead and the boys into an unrelated script and kind of tried to make it look kind of like a Hellraiser movie. Yeah, and Hellraiser Inferno does that almost like a textbook example of what will be later in the series. Oh, it's incredible because all right, so the the main guy uh, and the thing his name is Joe and Joe is a uh, uh, guy noir. He he is Joe Thorne. Don't forget his last name is Thorne because Joe that is Thorne. thematically important. Extremely important. Yeah, he he is he is guy hardboiled. Uh and the thing is he there's this like Blade Runner esque monologuing that go like voiceover that happens throughout the thing where he's just like, "Man, I was a private detective. I liked solving cases." Uh, it starts with him finding the Le Marchand configuration and being like, "Whoa, what the fuck happened here?" Um, and he, which by the way, this actor was the same guy that played um, the main character in Nightbreed, which is another Clive Barker thing. Oh, it it is. Yeah. <laughs> if you had not told me, I would not have known because the only thing I see when I look at him is off-brand David Boreanaz. Yeah, yeah, he's Malta male David Boreanaz, and or, or I I realize he's either a very he's an inferior version of David Boreanaz or an advanced version of the guy that plays James Hurley on Twin Twin Peaks. Oh. Where he's just huge, huge uh, uh, brow bone and big puppy eyes. Um, and so, uh, the plot of this movie, which by the way, I don't think any Hellraiser movie past Hellraiser 3 had a lighting budget. No, I think just everything lighting was... went out the window. Now, another thing is Hellraiser Inferno was shot in the year 2000. So also with just trends wow. in lighting, it was the, let's make everything look dirty and gross and save tons of money on our lighting bill. Which is, uh, w all right, was this movie ahead of its time in that regard? Cause, like, a Saw, tastemaker, if you will? Yeah, yeah, they were out here doing it in 2000. This is four years before Saw, and I feel like Saw is the reason that um, everything looked fucking unsanitary for, like, a decade in horror, and, like, everything was shot through a green filter, and nobody washed their hands for, like, ten years. I mean, that's a really good question. It was directed by Scott Derrickson. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, 
Who's known for Doctor Strange? Yeah, the guy that did fucking Doctor Strange did Hellraiser Inferno, which is also, it's a thing that I love so much about this franchise is the number of people uh, who were just trying to make fucking ends meet while doing a, a late Hellraiser entry that later on, like, Henry Cavill is in the one where Pinhead is on the internet. You've got the guy that plays Mayhem... Uh, on the insurance commercials and the next one, you've uh, and also the the uh, the vulture on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, there's what Baby Adam Scott and Hellraiser Bloodline. Like there uh, and and so Scott Derrickson. Here's the thing, I kind of stand this movie. Hellraiser Inferno is, I I, I as Hellraiser sequels go, I think the premier late entry Hellraiser sequel. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, Scott Derrickson did the exorcism of Emily Rose, so I think maybe maybe Scott Derrickson is the patient zero of the bad lighting of oh. 2000s horror films. Shit, maybe he's, yeah, maybe he's the one to blame. Now, uh, paired with the uh, dark uh, uh, cave-like setting throughout this entire movie... For what, so when you think of the score from Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2 that like Danny Elfman would later on like riff on for Spider-Man, um, it's this big sweeping orchestral thing, right? Like it's just like, you know, big choirs and big sort of like bell tolling noises. This movie starts out with smooth trip hop. And, and toaster graphics, like uh, video toaster <laughs> level introductory graphics, like laughable Lamershawn... They basically yeah. hooked up uh, my screen, my um, screensaver from junior year of college onto this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so much, uh, and so the music is very sort of like, "Hey guys, welcome to Hellraiser 5. Um, we uh, decided, you know, listen, we're doing light dinner styling, so we're going to put on some massive attack. We've got nothing but candlelight throughout this movie, so just to add to the ambiance." Um, and so, uh, as the movie progresses, it's like, this guy has uh, a daughter and a wife, and he is, you sort of realize throughout the course of the movie, kind of a shitbird. Um, he's, he's not a good person, and he is sort of, uh, what, taking part in kind of, you know, you, you, it, it unravels, and it's like, oh no, he's got a really gray morality, and he's got this, so he's a, he's a detective with a partner who... This partner is basically Rizzo the Rat from Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. And the entire movie, he's just like, Hey, Joe, what are you doing? I'm your partner. Like, he has to constantly remind him, like, Well, I don't know, Joe, as your partner of many years in the police department where we work. And it's just him just constantly being like, you know, he's he's the, the, the sidekick cop character. Um, now, my favorite thing, I think this is the only Hellraiser movie that features sweet saxophone on the soundtrack. I think you're because right. he's a noir detective. Like, everything else is either orchestral music or, like, sort of bad techno later on. And this movie, it's it wants to be a noir movie so bad because that's what it fucking is. So it's just sort of like... Uh, also, there are Cenobites in the mix? Yeah, I think what sucks is Dark City... Is this movie but good? Oh man, you're totally right. Like and Dark it really City, it just sucks that this is is trying to be something that it can never live up to. It's not Dark City; it's poorly lit city. And the the, the fact that there's a scene in here that I kind of love, where it's Joe. Um, he 
uh, starts hallucinating. So he solves the puzzle box at the at the top of the movie, which I feel like it's kind of bullshit in this franchise how people will like start to solve the box and then it just solves itself the rest of the way. Yeah, like come on, let me have some agency here. Yeah, for fuck's sake! Like I don't. It's like a cutscene, right? Like there's no there's no interaction. Why are there. you here? You looked at the box crooked. <laughs> I mean, you th- I think you thought about the box like once or twice, so we just went ahead and solved it for you, and anyway, we're gonna rip your dick off now. Um, Can we talk about the piercing parlor scene of, of Hellraiser Inferno? Oh boy. Alright, so, and this is on my mind because I, for whatever reason, Quincy, have you seen the Snyder's Strangeland? I have not, but we oh, need to boy. remember, there's a woman licking a stiletto heel in a framed photo above the piercer's head (laughs) which i think that it's like uh, when you buy a wallet and it just comes with like laminate photos of someone else's family just as like a placeholder yeah it's like all piercing offices have (laughs) i think she's actually sticking the heel point through her tongue piercing see that's just that's just dope as hell i feel like you you take a photo like that and uh, yeah, you, the moment you get a new tattoo parlor or a piercing uh, place, this is it comes standard, and you can like change it out later on. But it just you know. Um, and I so, also really like that in Hollywood they could not find anyone with real tattoos, so they just went to an Aldi and got as many um, of those fifty cent temporary tattoos out of the vending machine as they could to slap it on this suspect yeah no this guy he looks like if dave draymond from disturbed got (laughs) drawn on by a child with a sharpie (laughs) like it's it's a lot and he's so with with d snyder strangeland this was all i could think about for the fact that like you know we've got sort of like uh here's a montage of people getting pierced look at that piercings and this being in the year 2000 uh, D. Snyder's Strangeland uh, follows. Uh, so D. Snyder wrote, uh, produced, and starred in this movie where he plays uh, a sadomasochistic uh, um, sort of creepy murderer guy named Captain Howdy, which is literally the fucking thing from The Exorcist. Good job, D. Snyder. Did you didn't feel the need to come up with a different name? That's great. Um, and what this movie basically is is like D. Snyder from the '80s being like the '90s scare me, and it's really fucking bad, and it's like. Um, he's, like, catfishing people and then torturing them. Um, and what's incredible about it is that uh, he's got this really, really thick, like, upstate New York accent, does D. Snyder? And he's going on all of these monologues as Captain Howdy, where he... It's like if Pinhead... He's like a sort of ersatz Cenobite in the movie because he's, like, heavily pierced and has a face tattoo and he's all about, like, piercing people and torturing them. Um, and it basically sounds like if Pinhead uh, had a thick upstate New York accent while delivering these lines, and it's it's so much. Um, anyway, so Joe goes to this. I know that was a huge fucking digression. I'm just I'm thinking a lot about D. Snyder's Strangeland. Um, so Joe goes to this uh, t- uh, what piercing parlor, and he's like looking for somebody called the engineer, which is frustrating because what is the guy's name in the newest Hellraiser movie? That's like. The oh, suspect. The guy that the auditor? the vomit. Yeah, like, what is yeah. this thing about Hellraiser sequels where there's just some <laughs> pervert they have to find that, like, knows about Cenobites but has survived this long because they eat paper or they, you know, <laughs> right. pierce people or some well, shit. And, and it's always, like, the engineer, the auditor, like, it's all job titles. Like, I'm looking for the refreshment chief, and it's just a guy with, like, a, a knife through his dick. I'm um, looking for the customer service <laughs> representative. 
<laughs> the custodian. And it's just like an evil centibite with a broom made of human flesh. Um, the So uh, basically he solves the bucks at the beginning of the movie and then sort of spirals Jacob's Ladder style into like hallucinations. There's a pretty dope sequence in here where these two, it's kind of like the Brides of Dracula where there's just these two creepy Cenobite ladies that appear and they're like, yeah, and they make out with Joe and Joe is like, I have a boner and they sort of, and then he gets chased by a, a, a guy with no legs and no eyes where it's just like arms are going like and like running, chasing him up the stairs. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, the Honestly, the effects in this, pretty good. Yeah, pretty decent. I mean, they're not as good as the first couple in terms of it's very early CGI instead of practical effects. So you oh, kind of sure. see some, some sacrifices. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, and apparently this movie, bad. apparently this movie had a, a, a budget of $50,000, which is kind is, I don't know. I feel like for straight to video, pretty good. Yeah. Like, and that's in 2000 money. So, um, and basically, as the movie progresses, uh, he, uh, Joe, alienates everybody in his life while monologuing about it. There's a guy in an ice cream truck that's just plastered wall to wall with porn on the inside, like you do if you're an ice cream guy. Um, and basically, and you, you find out that the engineer, which, by the way, I'm annoyed by the lack of continuity with the engineer because of the fact that the engineer... Do you remember in Hellraiser, uh, in the first Hellraiser, that big fucking Muppet thing chasing Kirsty through the hallway and, like, banging around on the walls and yelling at her? Yeah. That thing's name is The Engineer. The movie calls that thing, or, like, the movie doesn't call him that, but, like, he's in the credits as The Engineer. Um, so, what, is this just Pinhead, like, using the name of a coworker that's not around so he can, like passed the buck on being held accountable. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, tell them it was uh, the engineer who, who did all of this. <laughs> he's, it's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, so he's, like, spending the whole movie looking for the engineer because there's a murder plot. It doesn't matter. What it is, this movie wants to be the movie Seven so bad. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's, yeah, in, in terms of just, like, the, the, the atmosphere. Now... What 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 uh, you find out uh, at the end of the thing is that this is uh, Pinhead punishing him and like making him hallucinate and trip balls about all of this to torture him. Um, and throughout this process, uh, like every time a dead body winds winds up, um, a kid is getting his fingers chopped off and sent to Joe, and Joe's like, "Oh no!" And, and he sort of. When, when you get to the end of it, there's, like, uh, it's him in this big black void, uh, and there's a little kid that walks up to him, like, missing his fingers, and then it turns out to have been Joe as a child. Which, sure, just, like, deeply fucking, uh, it, like, it was trying to be conceptual and just sort of ended up being, like, wait, what are we, why? What are we doing? Let's throw this turd on the list. Now, this is a Weinstein production, do we take that into consideration when we rank it? That um, their uh, actual human uh, monster was uh -huh. an executive producer of this film, right? Well, I mean, and that's that's the thing is, I mean, Scream is pretty high on the list, and the wine scenes also, you know, produced that. Like they, they apparently they had basically nothing to do with this movie's production aside from having okayed it. Or I think that's kind of kind of the thing is if if a thing is from Dimension, we kind of I feel like we never totally know 
what the involvement of the Weinsteins was at the time. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel comfortable sort of, di- for me, like, divorcing this from the Weinsteins, even, even though it's a Dimension movie, because, like, they... I don't know, I, for some reason, I can't picture the Weinsteins taking an interest in Hellraiser Inferno. Yeah, they're just like, okay, that's gonna make us money at Blockbuster. Right. Like, this'll, you know, this, this'll this be enough for me to buy, like, maybe a, a pack of gum every year or so. Having like if... married a person that worked at Blockbuster in the latter days of Miramax having, you know, entire end caps dedicated to them... A lot Man. of money was spent on, let's just make enough of this DVD to fill a shelf at a video store and get tons of money. Oh, I mean, and you know what? I'm sure they recoup their losses. Like, they, the the fact that all of us, or not not even all of us, because I don't want to, you know, uh, uh, claim that everybody else has made the same mistakes we've made with the movies we've watched. But, like, the, you know, there have been so many Hellraiser sequels that, because they're trading on the property itself, like, through rentals and, and like, uh, DVD sales, the, these movies have been seen so many more times than movies as bad as these deserve to be seen. Yeah, I mean, I own this on Blu-ray. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I my the one thing that I uh, that I love about this movie is that it gets to the end of the movie and uh, Pinhead, which by the way, Doug Bradley, uh, who you know plays Pinhead in this, uh, which I if I I feel like kind of a, a, a snob about it, but if it's not Doug Bradley, I don't like this as Pinhead because like Hellraiser Judgment and Hellraiser Revelations both had some unrelated fucking schmuck. Uh, putting on the big leather smock and doing the the pinhead makeup and it was it was insulting like can you imagine being doug bradley and doing every godforsaken installment in this fucking franchise and you know because i'm what in this movie i think pinhead is in this movie for combined about two minutes yeah it's very small it's great time like doug bradley must have shown up hung out at catering and then sort of wandered in and was like, uh, yeah, here's here's my scene. All right, uh, do you guys need anything else? Are you good? Okay, bye. And then he just okay. sort of fucks off. So do we know if Doug Bradley said, listen, guys, enough is enough. We can't keep doing this. Michael, we can't keep <laughs> acting like this. <laughs> or is it a case of they stopped calling him? Huh. That's, that's a great question. I'm going to guess that it's that they stopped calling him. Because yeah, it, if we live in a world where everyone for the Neon Genesis Evangelion dub was still available, <laughs> they just didn't call them, I, I can believe that they just shoved Doug Bradley to the curb, which is I mean, cruel and unfair. Yeah, yeah, he's, goddammit, he's he's somebody's national treasure. I think he's English, so he's an English national treasure. Um, it's honestly, it's like with the Twin Peaks, the, Re- um, the Return, the guy that played um, Sheriff Truman was like, oh, I'm too busy, I can't be in Twin Peaks The Return, and it's like, motherfucker, what are you doing in the late <laughs> 2010s that's so important? You're like, oh, I can't be in this David Lynch... Anyway. Is um, he on damages as a featured player? Yeah, like, what? Are, what? You've got, like, a, a community theater production of Oliver Twist you can't back out of? Like, it's twin... What are we doing? What are we doing? Um, now, okay, the thing that I like about this movie also is that, A, uh, you know, Doug Bradley shows up and he's, he's great, and then B... At the end of the movie, when Joe uh, is in uh, a boundless void, and Pinhead, who up until this point is revealed to have been the engineer and has been pretending to be a priest, 
the whole time? Um, why not? Uh, but he sort of is basically like, yeah, we've been making you hallucinate all of this to torture you because you made everybody in your life feel really bad. So now we're just going to torture you forever. What, what this says to me is that Pinhead was committed to a bit. Like he hired actors for this. He stayed, he did stagecraft just to like fuck with this one specific guy. Cause like in the other movies, he just sort of goes like, he just like chops your head off or, or tortures the shit out of you or something. But this random guy, Pinhead takes a fucking interest in and makes him hallucinate a Jacob's Ladder style uh, plot, just, you know, the, the entire thing. And then at the end just goes like, yeah, whatever, I'm just going to torture you forever anyway. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a lot. So, all right, so looking down the list, Quincy, is, do you think Hellraiser Inferno is better or worse than Body Melts at number 279? Oh, it is definitely not as good as Body Melt. So, no. at number 399 is mm-hmm. the Dragula episode where they dress up as Cenobites. <laughs> so, which is better? The one where they're dressing up as... Uh, the, the one where and somebody... And also was actually pierce people. <laughs> right. So, which is which is better? The the one where they impersonated Cenobites or the Dragula episode where they impersonated Cenobites? The Dragula episode has better makeup than this actual Hollywood movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they put in the fucking work on Dragula on that episode. I, I, I feel like I want to give the edge to uh, the Boule Brothers' Dragula because of that episode just featuring honest-to-God piercing. Like, they they did that. Like, they did I mean, that. Because, you know, yeah, they did that. Because, like, that show is sort of whatever. Like, I, it's not totally for me. But I I don't know I respect the that they sort of went balls to the wall and we're just like no we're actually just going to show people getting pierced uh, and it's going to be really painful um, so based solely on commitment I'm giving it to uh, Boulay Brothers Dragula season two episode one Cenobites Quincy is the Village by M Night Shyamalan at number four hundred and three better or worse than Hellraiser Inferno It's better because it makes me feel something. <laughs> it's anger, but it makes me feel something. Yeah, yeah, agree. Like they, it's even like, the the presence of negative emotion is better than like a mouthful of cotton, like you kind of get from Hellraiser Inferno. Um, all right, looking down the list, Quincy, uh, a classic on on this podcast and nowhere else at number four hundred and nineteen, I Frankenstein. Oofa with, doofa. Yeah. I don't know. I think I Frankenstein might be better because again, Damn. it's got some sort of intention, and this is just like nothing. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, this is like a Zydeco cover of ACDC. Like it's a noir movie with Cenobites like shoehorned in. It's neither here nor there. Like the effects are kind of good. The the performances are fine, but it's just kind of what what the fuck are we doing? Uh, where with I Frankenstein. That's an experience I fucking remember. That I can I can point on a map to why that movie is bad. Um, I would argue that it's better than Mystery Monsters at number four twenty seven. Oh, Maybe Mystery Monsters, not which as is good as Nudist Colony of the Dead. Now, all right, Nudist Colony of the Dead is uh, another straight to video classic in the way that Hellraiser Inferno kind of wishes it were. Um, Mystery Monsters, wait, that, uh, and that's the one with the, uh, the most jaded child actors in the world. Yes, that's the Charles Band makes movies for babies under a pseudonym. Jesus Christ, incredible. Honestly, I feel pretty good, uh, putting it, 
below Nudist Colony of the Dead uh, at number 426 and above Mystery Monsters at our new number 427 is Hellraiser Inferno. So let's talk about a movie that we got a pre-release screener of. Uh, That is Zombie Island Massacre. Holy shit. So Zombie Island Massacre, uh, which is a trauma movie... Obviously, like and well, so, trauma distributed. We need to talk about how there is a difference between Michael Hertz and Lloyd Kaufman produced films mm-hmm. and Michael Hertz and Lloyd Kaufman distributed films. Just because True. it has the Trummer banner doesn't always mean that it is the same caliber film. Well, and frequently to me, if a thing is made by trauma, I feel like it's trying to be bad. Right, yes. like, 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 trauma acquiring some fucking, you know, production of like, uh, uh, surf Nazis must die, or like, uh, space zombie bingo, or whatever. Like, that's them sort of going like, uh, yeah, we can make a buck off this, sure. Um, Zombie Island Massacre. Now, I gotta tell you, I'm still so nostalgic and fond of that intro music and that graphic. Yeah. It's it's very good. We, um, and Quincy, we have seen so much trauma. We have seen so much trauma. I feel like it's what it, it kind of doesn't even matter if we like trauma movies at this point for how much we have like assimilated it into our bodies via osmosis. Yeah, it's wild that we have romantic partners at all. Yeah, yeah, we've, oh my god, we've seen terror firmer. The fact that we have healthy relationships with anybody is frankly a marvel. So, Vinegar Syndrome is going to release this Blu-ray DVD cut of Zombie Island Massacre. Mm -hmm. What's wild is they took, it's a new scan from the film negative, and this movie is best known for being people walking in the woods of a nondescript Caribbean island in the dark and just darkness. Ryan, with the new scan, you can see the movie. Like, all oh, no. of the nighttime scenes are visible. Is that a good or a bad thing for Zombie Island Massacre? It's actually pretty good, because the special effects are surprisingly good on the kills, and you don't really mm-hmm. get to appreciate that with the video scans. You can watch the video scan on YouTube right now mm-hmm. um, Which for I did. free. But it, it pales in comparison to this Blu-ray that's going to come out in February. So um, if you really want to see this movie like cleaned up for the first time ever, um, pick this up from Vinegar Syndrome. See, but, and this is, I, I feel like, part of the big question with horror about VHS as a medium is that like you don't want to watch, for example, like uh, Sorority Babes at the Sleazeball Bowl-O-Rama in like, uh, pristine high def. Um, I feel like for, for Zombie Island Massacre... I couldn't see shit, and it kind of added to the experience for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, all right, so the plot of the movie is that uh, a bunch of uh, tourists go to this island, and uh, they witness a, quote, voodoo ritual, which, gotta tell you, uncomfortable. Uh, watching that in 2020. Yeah, and why is it that all of these movies, it's like... Hey, I'm a white person and I just want to watch this. It's like, no, this is religion. It never works out well. No, no, it's no. It's never and like it... I'm just gonna go check this out and and take photos, and then <laughs> yeah. nothing bad will ever happen to me. No, it yeah. doesn't work that way. It'll it'll probably be fine. Now, there's a guy uh, in this um, uh, group of tourists 
who has, I think, the sauciest ascot I have ever had the pleasure of seeing. It's very good. I also like that the first part of this movie is a... I, what's supposed to be a voodoo ceremony, and I'm using the words that they use, the the characters use in the film. Right. Um, and the tour guide slides the priest like a fiver. It's like, good job in entertaining the tourists. Thanks, man. Man. Well, so you you sort of figure out very quickly that like a lot of this is kind of mummery and and you know like they're 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 sort of. Uh, doing a big cartoony like voodoo ritual, which is you know like th- this this is not authentic. They're doing this for the tourists, and what you come to find out over the course of the movie is uh, n- now people keep getting knocked off as the movie progresses. Now, what's incredible to me uh, is that uh, the uh, the one uh, American uh, character in this movie who's black, who's with this um, group of tourists, he is actually the guy who wrote this screenplay. No fucking he, way. Yeah, no shit. He wrote the screenplay and, like, helped, I think, produce it or something. And somehow he dies in favor of the, like, snobby white guy who's, like, really, like, self-righteous and, and shitty. Um, it's the ascot. And, yeah, the guy in the ascot. Which, now, in fairness, it's the ascot of a leader. So I, I don't want to take that away from him. Um, but there's, so there's a lot of sort of like ambient racism going on in this movie in terms of like, not that the movie itself is racist, but that there's this interplay between like sort of the locals who are black and the white tourists. And um, what you basically come to figure out is that uh, the people who've been getting knocked off this whole time and killed, um, they thought that it was zombies from the ritual. And it turns out that actually it's just a drug cartel. Yeah, um, which is kind of anticlimactic that like, I mean, it's in the heyday of the slasher mystery killer with a mask, interesting kills, and then, oh, it's not who you thought it was. So it kind of tracks. Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, weird reveals, that one is one of the biggest stretches, I think. I think so, too. Um, And I I feel like, listen, if you've, if, uh, I don't know if maybe the problem is my expectations. If you are showing me a movie called uh, Zombie Island Massacre... I want to see some zombies. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is... It, I, I don't I don't want to see a drug cartel. Like, if a drug cartel is in the mix, that's fine. But I give me give me some zombies. What are we doing? I want, I want zombies in Zombie Island Massacre. Frankly, it's an unremarkable movie. Yeah, I think I, I, I was kind of falling asleep while watching this on YouTube. Um, but I, I retained enough about it to sort of go, oh, this isn't very good. Now, trauma movies generally... Um, Quincy, have you seen Death by Temptation? No. That is, I think, Samuel Jackson's first movie, and that was a fucking trauma movie, and it's really, really good. Um, now, alright, I, I feel like, uh, Zombie Island Massacre, it has some cool ideas that, like, there's a Scooby-Doo reveal where, like, ah, it was just a drug cartel this whole time, and not zombies, but it kind of doesn't stick the landing, yeah, what I think is really frustrating, too, is not much is known about the production. It was never mm-hmm. anything that anyone thought to, like, remember. So there is no even interesting lore to the film. There's yeah. like nothing. It's I was just, looking it up, and yeah, goose egg. I like, do it's... admire the the unabashedness of, we're going to shoot on location in the Caribbean, Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the scenes are going to be at nighttime. 
Which, yeah, you're not, we're not going to take advantage of that big, cool-looking sun. Like, we're just going to absolutely, like, under cover of Nightfall, we're going to shoot these scenes and get the fuck out. Now, what's incredible now, about this... because they were just hanging out on the beach all day, so they're like, well, we don't want to do that at nighttime, so... <laughs> Completely. That's exactly right. Like, they were sort of like, listen, I don't... I'm hungover. I don't feel like doing this while the sun is out. Can we just please wait until nightfall? Um, what's also incredible about this movie, do you know who did the music for Zombie Island Massacre? Um, yeah, the guy who did the music for Friday the 13th. Yeah, for all of the Friday the 13th. Harry Manfredini, um, who, yeah, which basically, I I feel like the best thing you can say about Harry Manfredini is that he very effectively ripped off the score for Psycho on Friday, Friday the 13th. Now, let's be fair, he made a disco remix of the Friday the 13th. Thing. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, he did. Although, I, th- I don't think that was even the Friday the 13th theme. Now, this is... All right, Quincy, this is a thing that drives me fucking crazy about Friday the 13th as a as a franchise. Because when you think big horror franchise, you think Friday the 13th, right? Like, it's the, the big heavy hitter. Yeah, it's, Can- it's the one that people like. Right. Can you hum for me any note of what should be a Friday the 13th theme? Oh, absolutely not. That Yeah, there is no actual Friday the 13th theme that factors into any of the movies. Like, the most you get is that... Like, that's the most you get. Like, there is no iconic fucking theme. Because you think of, like, what, Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween... Like, they all have... Fuck, Hellraiser has an actual, like, Hellraiser theme that... Uh, I. It's just... It's unforgivable to me that Friday the 13th Cop never... has a tie-in rap. So, like, why does Friday the 13th have nothing? Exactly. Mostly what you've got is, like, maybe uh, he's back, parentheses, the man behind the mask by Alice Cooper for part six. Or... I. It's just... It's... it's uh, I hate. I hate so much that there is no actual theme for Friday the 13th, except for, like you said, that sweet fucking disco intro from part three. But that's really all we got. Pretty so much where it. do you want to put Zombie Island Massacre on the list? Oh, boy. Okay, all right, here we go. Uh, is Do you think Zombie Island Massacre is better or worse than Rob Zombie's 31 at number 410? You know, I want to say it's better, mm-hmm. but I'm looking at movies below 31 <laughs> that are better. Like Son of Dracula yeah. with Harry Nilsson is oh, more man. interesting than Zombie Island Massacre, just Son- as a curio. Yeah, Son of Dracula with Ringo Starr and, Her- and Harry Nilsson. Like, yeah, just as a, a, a cultural knickknack that's like, oh, yeah, that was a thing that happened. Um, now, I I agree. Like, I, I think Zombie Island Massacre, like, I want to dunk on 31 for how much I hate that movie, but in terms of construction and in performance, Performance, I it's it's better than uh, Zombie Island Massacre. Now, what about Necromantic? Is Necromantic better than Zombie Island Massacre? Oh fuck! So Necromantic, which is at number four thirty eight, and is the uh, the you know I, I would say the necrophilia movie. Yeah, like, the it's, necrophilia franchise. Yeah, the, the <laughs> necrophilia, the motion picture. I feel like oh Christ! I think Necromantic is better than. Zombie Island Massacre because it knows what it's about and what it's doing and it fucking commits. Yeah. Like, it just, listen, Necromantic definitely has necrophilia in it. Zombie Island Massacre, no zombies to be found in this movie. 
I so, would say that Zombie Island Massacre is better than Hellraiser Revelations because it doesn't feel phoned in, oh, but yeah. not as good as Necromantic. Actually, I totally agree. Hellraiser Revelations, uh, it's unforgivable. And that's, we are near, we are a stone's throw from the very bottom of our list for the for Night of Something Strange at number 443. Um, Zombie Massacre, I, I think it's that it's so aggressively nothing that it's like trying to rate a rice cake. Yeah, it's, it's just fine. Yeah, it's a it's a mouthful of nothing. So yeah, so I feel pretty good about that. So coming in at our new number, 439, below Necromantic, the movie about necrophilia, and above Hellraiser Revelations, objectively the worst Hellraiser, is Zombie Island Massacre uh, at um, number 439. Yeah, and with that said, thank you very much to our friends at Vinegar Syndrome for giving us a pre-release. Um, I still recommend you buy this Blu-ray because mm-hmm. if you're in the market for Vinegar Syndrome Blu-rays, we already know you've pre-ordered it. So yeah, exactly right. And light. also, you know, maybe who knows? Maybe seeing this thing with the lights on will would completely change my my viewing of of well, this. Yeah, God, I think God there's enough picture. that it might be the case where it's never gotten a fair shake, and maybe mm-hmm. we're gonna revisit it. Because I think there's something to be said about the screenwriter and person of color does survive for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. The ending is trying something, although it's more of a bizarre ending than anything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's really not. It's It's one of so many that it just gets lost in the static. Yeah, there's nothing to really recommend it. Um, do we? Ryan, uh, do we will have anything unseat Night of Something Strange as the worst film? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I f- I feel like you know what might uh, uh, dethrone it is a Serbian film. Do you think so? I don't know if it would. I mean, they literally there's a scene with a baby in it. Like it's it it it, it does what Night of Something Strange does, but. I, it's sort of, it's, it's more, now, Night of Something Strange has, like, no illusions about what it is and what it's doing, where I feel like with, um, a Serbian film, the director of that movie is such a yutz for being, like, you know, like, oh, this movie is a statement on the Serbian film industry, and, you know, it's, it's really, it's much deeper than just being the aristocrats joke, and it fucking isn't. <laughs> like, it, it is just very straightforwardly, I tried to cram as many gross things into this movie, which is a fine thing to do. Like, we just last week did Cannibal Holocaust, where I'm I'm not gonna clutch my pearls about putting horrifying things on film. I mean, I will. I will definitely clutch my pearls about putting horrifying th- things on film, but if I watch it, like, I'm kind of... Uh, Alright, I guess this is happening. In a way that Night of Something Strange, I feel like... Ugh. Ugh. There's no Why do we do this? Quality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We've, this is this is life. On that awesome. note, if you know of a movie that you think can unseat our bottom, please send that to our Tumblr. That's uh-huh. rankandvile.tumblr.com and put that in our ask box. I don't know. Listen, if you if you uh, request a movie that somehow unseats Night of Something Strange, I will respect you, but I will never totally forgive you. Well, for, what happens is the curse is broken, and that person has to host the podcast. <laughs> and you and yeah, I the... can do... We can go back to playing Stardew Valley and Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like relaxing games like Stardew Valley and Bloodborne. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so if you... Uh, uh, let's say that you're out there and you're sort of like, Hey, what if you guys did Inside? Which actually, I, 
I really like the movie Inside. You're going to want to put that in uh, our ask box on Tumblr at rankandvile.tumblr.com, uh, or uh, and you're going to want to uh, send that to our email at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at justrankandvile. We have a letterboxed. We have a YouTube channel. We are on Stitcher. We are on Last.fm. We are on Spotify. We are just about anywhere uh, you could possibly hope to uh, listen to a podcast. Um, barring that, uh, Quincy, I think that is about all I got. You got anything else? Just if you can hit that little thumbs up on whatever app you're using or like the stars or whatever. Um, yeah. Or, or even like the share and just share on your Twitter or your um, other social media pages like check this podcast out um word of mouth really is the best way to get uh people to listen to the show yeah we we depend pretty much entirely on word of mouth and it's been really really good to us like all, all of you guys out there sort of um i've i've been made aware that apparently uh, a lot of our listeners uh who uh, drive for lyft and uber um they listen i've I, the fact that people are listening to rank and vile while uh, like if if they can distract from the pain of living uh, under late capitalism by listening to us uh, moaning about how much we hate uh, not, uh, Night of Something Strange. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to, to occupy that, that space. It's, it's extremely nice. It feels good. Oh, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Rang and Vile. And we have tons of really kind people that give us enough money that we can pay for show costs. Listen, by donating to our Patreon, you can help finance our vaping uh, habit no, to no, help help no numb Patreon the pain. No Patreon money of... is used on vaping. It is host costs <laughs> and and postage and um, other yeah. actual fees. No, you've, you've, you've learned your lesson. Yeah, it's yeah. You've, you're you're leaving that lifestyle behind with the with the Joel. Um, but barring that, that is about all I, uh, all I got. You got anything else? Say spooky. Later, folks. <laughs>